At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. I'm doing everything I can. And stop calling me Shirley. The center has to be at least three times bigger than this. All right, it's Sincerely Unqualified. I'm Kevin. Alongside me, we have Winnie. It's our first episode as a movie podcast. We're going to be breaking down the other guys today. Winnie, you excited? I'm so excited. And just re-watching this movie got me so amped up to get into this. I mean, we've been doing... We've been loving movies our whole lives, basically. And now to get to dive yeah. a little deeper and just kind of understand the process and just different little nuances that we didn't know before is, I mean, so fun for me right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, honestly, taking notes during a movie is something I've never done before, <laughs> but it was a ton of fun. A ton of fun. Um, what else have you been up to, though? How is, uh, how is the day to day? How, how are those day. giants doing? Yeah, don't bring that up. It's so. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, well, the the, the weird, I know. How do you tie the Bengals? The weirdest thing for me, honestly, since I've I've come to terms with this season being over and it's week three, the weirdest thing about this weekend for me, like you said, was taking notes during a movie because for me, yeah, I even get mad if somebody speaks during a movie. Like, if you ask a question that's like, "What are they doing?" or "Where are they going?" My response is always, "I'm watching the same movie. I don't." Yeah. Know. That's the whole point. Mm -hmm. oh, I'm right there with you. No, I, I don't know what's about to happen. That's kind of what we're going to the movies for. So taking notes during it, for me, was almost like a, another cardinal sin of just kind of having my phone out and almost half paying attention. But I feel like I was paying. It's like I would never take my phone out in the theater, but now having it out and just rewatching this movie and going so deep into it and having my phone out was so weird for me the first time. Just... Mm -hmm you know, writing things down that happened instead of just like enjoying the movie. That was weird. And then, you know, the Giants lost. See? Well, yeah, the Giants lost. By the way, you said that uh, how do you tie against the Bengals? Actually, the Eagles tied against the Bengals before. 2008, Donovan McNabb tied the Bengals, mm -hmm. and he did not know that you could tie. Just didn't know. Just tied him <laughs> and had no clue. The... I mean, that's, that's more impressive than tying, is tying someone yeah. and not knowing that you could tie. Did he think that they were just going to keep going? Like college I think so. I think, he, ended? I think he thought it was like a playoff game. He was like, oh, well, of course we have to keep going. I he thought maybe he thought like penalty shootout. He would just throw like 60-yard <laughs> bombs to, uh, like, to Terrell Owens. The quarterbacks have to start kicking from 60 yards out, whoever makes the first one. <laughs> that would be kind of cool, honestly. If it's, Tony Romo showed off the leg. Kicking. He's got to have – I thought uh, Tony Romo would – I went to NFC East in 2008, and then that, that was my go-to. Oh, do you um, remember what happened in 2000, the year before that? The Giants won what happened? the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, the Giants won the Super Bowl. Oh, but we're, forgot about yeah. that. Speaking of movies, mm -hmm. though. Um, yeah, exactly. The, uh, you were talking about taking notes. and like, So you were on your phone. Maybe it was a little different. I was on my computer because I think that – so I'm with you. Whenever anyone talks or anything, and it, it completely annoys me. But when I'm taking notes during it, I feel like that's like a different level of paying attention. Because like I'm looking for yeah. certain things that normally if I'm just like sitting, just enjoying a movie. And also I enjoyed, I enjoyed this a ton. Because we're watching movies and we're only going to do movies that we really do enjoy. Exactly. So like we don't have to watch the new mutants at a critical angle. Exactly. <laughs> I'd <laughs> rather avoid that at all costs. Like I would yeah. rather watch nothing than do that. Which I, uh, yeah, I will not watch the New Mutants. I have not. Uh, sorry. Sorry, New Mutants. I'm putting our foot in the ground there. We're, we're taking a hard stance on no New Mutants. Just leave them at the old Mutants. We've got enough Mutants. I think that we're good. That field is saturated. We've experienced enough Mutants. We're good. Yeah. At some point, we have to hit the top. We, we have to top off at X-Men at some point. Yeah. I mean, they kept trying to go. They, they tried to make a pop apocalypse happen. Didn't work well. Nope. You know, they did have some bangers in though. They they had some like okay. Wolverine you know, they, was incredible. Was that the that was first R-rated comic book yep. movie? Yeah. Not first. No, no, because there was Deadpool. Wasn't Deadpool before Wolverine? And then it kind of introed the space of we can do this. Yeah. 
because Deadpool's yeah, like, fuck so. you, we can do this. And right, then right, yeah, yeah. Hugh Jackman's huh. like, holy fuck, I kind of want to do that. Oh, dude, that movie was sick. That movie but, was so good. That's what Wolverine yeah. needed, too. Like, a character like Wolverine, I feel like you can't hold... If you have somebody who's playing just an absolute jackass who can't die, who slices people in half, and his whole persona in the movies is just a dick, you can't have him limited by the PG-13 you know, like rules. You can't no, have yeah. one curse word the entire movie. I feel like that's so that's so against where that should be going. If the whole franchise of X-Men was R-rated, kind of like what they're doing with the boys a little bit, it would be unbelievable. Gotta watch the boys. I said I was, so I missed season one and then I said I was going to watch it right before season two came out. So obviously I know season two's came out or is coming out. Are they yeah. doing like a... um every three episodes kind of thing so it's or like they just upload it all at once so it was three episodes to start and now it's every friday another one oh, okay so oh, it's i like, like that man. yeah i, I like, do too i like waiting for something but also at the same time like every, every single time you get done with an episode you're like damn i wish there was yeah. another but, but that builds the anticipation it's almost like because yeah. now we get everything so instantaneously there's instant gratification on netflix especially it's like oh you can just plow through this in an instant now when a show is really good i feel like it's like i feel like it's the breaking bad effect where it enhances the show because you're thinking about it for a week and if the show is actually that good you're going to make it a, it's appointment television when there is no more appointment television you're going to yeah, make a no, point absolutely. to go watch it. And I think no, that yeah, makes it better. I think that we're finally catching on to the fact that there are certain binge shows, and that's fine, you know, like sitcoms yeah. and everything. You don't need to wait every week. Um, no. Good shows, like like The Boys, like all these, uh, like Watchmen. Watchmen was a great one mm -hmm. to kind of meter out because you have so much to think about. Uh, yeah, no, those shows, they, they deserve the, the credibility of having to be waited for no doubt yeah. about that absolutely because it uh, takes away from that end like if it leaves cliffhangers are almost kind of dying because of the mm -hmm. bingeability of shows which i think is really not good for tv as a whole i think it's taking yeah. away from the impact that certain shows have would there have been a week in between certain episodes i agree because yeah it allows for dialogue takes away the writing. I feel like you have to write shows so differently because there's that aspect of like, you can't have that legitimate cliffhanger when you're going to immediately see like recap in the next five seconds because it just shoots to the next episode. Yeah, that, that whole Netflix thing that just it spews like through episodes. Yeah. I've watched so many. So I'm watching for the first time New Girl all the way through. I've watched so many extra episodes just because I've been sitting there and like literally it, it turns into like five extra episodes. You're like, all right, 20 yeah. more minutes, whatever. It it's already started. I'm not going to turn it off now. Exactly. That's, yeah. What's but one yeah, more episode? Enjoy it. Yeah. Exactly. One then it's 3 a.m. and you're just like, what's wrong with me? Yeah, exactly. But we're talking to the other guys today. Uh, so excited. First, first full movie breakdown. Uh, Honestly, breaking right into it, we're probably going to be talking about some some facts first. So things that you might not have known, things that we found super interesting that we think that you would. Um, then we're going to talk about some things that we thought of, you know, maybe that they weren't facts, maybe maybe not hard. Hey, this is a behind the scenes, behind the scenes thing, kind of insights like we thought of this, maybe you would have. Um, then we're going to talk about our favorite scenes because we have to do that There's and so then our many. favorite lines after that <laughs> just because like we want to getting more specific yeah yeah we, we well getting more specific but we also don't want to just sit here and be like hey remember that line that was awesome yeah hey <laughs> hey have you funny. never seen the movie oh yeah that line was great like <laughs> yeah but it's just so i don't foresee any spoilers happening um this movie's been out for a while i even yeah. if you haven't seen it, I think you would still enjoy the podcast. I think that there are going to be interesting things. If you want to watch it, watch it, and then come back, listen to the podcast. Or if you want to listen to this podcast before so you have a new appreciation of the movie, go watch the movie. It's fantastic. Um, honestly, I think that's probably the best thing to do. What about you? I agree. I think, I mean, the movie itself is great, whether you listen and then watch or you watch and then listen. It's 
I mean, there's no going the wrong way here just because of how great this movie is. Yeah. It just, it hits all the boxes. I mean, whether you like, you know, dumb comedy or a little bit more in depth, or you're just a comedy movie fan, it, it checks every single box of absurdity or like, you know, low key humor. Everything is in there. Yeah. And I honestly, I think that pretty much all the movies we're going to cover do that pretty well yeah but the other guys specifically let's break right into it let's 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 get into our facts real quick so i'll start out with the first one uh the first one there there were a lot of references to it throughout the movie uh not this fact alone but what revolves around it so the red prius that will ferrell drives that is his cop car they actually had to put a race car engine to, into it because the stunt drivers that were driving were just whipping it around so hard. And that red Prius is the one that Dirty Mike and the boys, the, the iconic Dirty Mike, had the soup kitchen in. And uh, Dirty Mike was played by actually the director, Adam McKay, and he wasn't even supposed to be in the movie. Like, they didn't write in this line, Dirty Mike wasn't supposed to be in it. Just as they were going, they decided to add this character, and it became so iconic. It's amazing that the character doesn't exist, and just the way that Adam McKay makes films, it he ends up in there, and he says some uh-huh. of, like, he's probably in it for a total of two minutes, but the idea of Dirty Mike and the Boys is all throughout the movie. Whenever the Prius oh, yeah. is mentioned, you always think Dirty Mike and the Boys, and he inadvertently became one of the most iconic people in the movie. I feel yeah. like whenever you think you of the movie, you think minutes. Dirty Mike and the Boys. Yeah, I, you can't not think about Dirty Mike. When you said two minutes, I honestly, screen time, I would Yeah, he actually. only had like 30 seconds. Like, and I think yeah. he only has... He was in what? it, no, once. I think the one twice. time. Yeah, twice. Twice, I think. Yeah. Or was it just... I yeah, think I it was know. just the one. <laughs> Either way, I mean, to have that lasting impact on the movie... And your character wasn't even supposed to be in it is incredible. Yeah, that speaks volumes about the genius behind him being like, no, we have to add this. And yeah, don't worry, I got it. Like, I got it. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, no. Hear me out. I'm going to dress up as a homeless guy and we're going to fuck in his car. And it's like, (laughs) just hearing that, you're like, you sure you want that? It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And his name is Dirty Mike. He's going to have his boys. I have the boys. No, one of the process. Like, if he just hopped on set, maybe he had like a rough day, rough morning. Woke up one day, was in kind of disheveled clothes, and walks on set and is like, "Damn, I just had this idea." Like, somebody walked up to him on set and was like, "Dude, you look a little homeless today." He's like, "Fuck, that's a great idea. That's awesome. Like, we're throwing that in right now. Should have a foursome with three other guys and call it a soup kitchen." (laughs) (laughs) Just the fact that it's called a soup kitchen is hilarious. That's. didn't he have a walker? No, one of the guys had a walker with him. One of them did, yeah, one of them did, but they were running away. <laughs> He's like, we will fuck in your car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that alone, just watching it, you would think that that's one of the staples when they're writing it of this is going to be fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you would absolutely think that, but that's just not his style. Um, but, yeah, so so Red Prius has a has a race car engine in it. Dirty That's Mike it. is yeah. Adam McKay, and Dirty Mike wasn't supposed to be in the movie. Adam McKay had no intention of putting himself in. Well, alongside that, of people who weren't supposed to be in the movie, Samuel L. Jackson, his character, his aim for the bushes, you know, him and Dwayne The Rock Johnson, <laughs> you see those two. I feel like they're a perfect pair for this movie. For these characters, they are the perfect pair because, number one, they're two Hollywood hotshots, you know them as playing either the action hero, the badass, whoever they are. Yeah. They're the perfect archetype for these badass cops who just, you know, do whatever they want. But Samuel L. Jackson wasn't supposed to be the other cop. Yeah, which is he crazy because he, he's like, they so had, perfect for it. I know. They had to rewrite the entire script for him because the original was supposed to be Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Michael Chiklis. And had it been Michael Chiklis... Number one, I don't think this movie would have hit the way that it did. I think, I think that's probably fair. You know, you never know. Um, it, it could I, have been yeah. equally as good because also since you have to, 
Samuel L commands the respect for a rewrite. So it's yeah. not like he was just reading someone else's lines. So who knows what kind of tone that their characters could have had. Cause they kind of were buried in the beginning there, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter if you only have a limited role in the beginning or what these two were just incredible. I know. And I, I don't just the, the screen presence that he has in his first, what would you say? He's in the first 20 minutes. I think probably around 20. Yeah, I would say 20. And I feel like even his character, I mean, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is even the more understated of the two. So to have oh, yeah. somebody come in and change that dynamic so, so much is, you know, I feel like the movie would have gone, I mean, not to say that he was one of the main characters, but in a way he sets mm-hmm. the tone for the movie in such a way, even in the scene where he comes in and he's thanking everybody for their work. And then Will Ferrell's like, hey, you're welcome. And he's like, shut the fuck. Like, even yeah, that scene, yeah, he goes off on reaction. Yeah. There, you don't get that with anybody else. No. And I honestly, um, I'm pretty sure Chickless, didn't he turn down the role? Like, I, yeah. maybe he didn't think the he movie was going to be what it was. Or, I mean, no, he, he, had, he had another gig. I think he was doing a show on Fox. So he turned uh, okay. down the gig for an actual, I think it was a network show. He was like, I can't do this right now. It's kind of like similar to what I'm going to be doing there. I'd rather be doing the show than the movie. Right. So right. then they were like, who else can we get? Reached out to Samuel L. Jackson. I think Adam McKay actually like gives the producers all the credit for reaching out. Did the quick rewrite for Samuel L. Jackson, which is very deserving of it. And yeah. now we got the incredible performance of that we did where he just came in and he Samuel L. Jackson the shit out of it. He really did Samuel L. Jackson the shit out of it. It really, I mean, he was, it's so funny with those two because you were saying like, there's, there's such action stars, which they absolutely are, but they're yeah. such charismatic, good actors that their comedic roles are always incredible too. Oh yeah. So like, you can't pick two better people for this movie. You cannot pick two better people for this movie than of those being the guys, whereas Mark yeah. Wahlberg and Will Ferrell are the other guys. Exactly. The, the titular other guys. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of those two, so this was the first movie that they actually were in together, which, I mean, honestly, just, their chemistry seemed like it was off the charts. It probably just speaks to their acting ability. Yeah. But, um, so they actually could have been in the uh the movie cop out with uh who was it bruce willis and um oh who else it was tracy morgan bruce willis right tracy Tracy morgan Morgan. tracy morgan yeah sorry so it was bruce willis and tracy morgan and they could have apparently been cast together in this same movie i think they were filming and producing around the same exact time but then they ended up taking this script from mckay because Farrell and McKay are really good. They're tight. They used to be on SNL yeah. together. And, they, you know, this Farrell, is their fourth film. Yeah. I, and also, McKay's way of doing movies just completely improvised. It mm-hmm. speaks so... Not, I mean, it just works so well with how Farrell does his things. Yeah. And, you know, it was kind of a stretch for Wahlberg, but he did, he did super well. well. We'll get to that a little later. Yeah. I but. saw something where it was like... Because Wal- uh, Will Farrell and Adam McKay had, like, Will Ferrell had contributed to the scripts of like Talladega Nights and the other three films that they worked on together, him and Adam McKay. And then Mm -hmm. coming into the other guys, Will Ferrell didn't have any impact on the script, but they brought Mark Wahlberg in. The three of them, I think, had lunch, whether it was the three of them or if it was Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell. And they said that, you know, the, the interaction between them, just the chemistry was there almost right away. So they were like, this is a perfect fit. We got to do this. Yeah, I mean, with with the kind of chemistry you have on the screen actually going through the movie, that has to happen instantaneously. Yeah. Especially with how much is improvised. Like, when you have an improvised movie and it's not, like, exactly with the script, because I have to believe you can actually have some really, really good writing if a director is true to script that can essentially mask or, I guess, fake um, chemistry. Mm -hmm. With this, you can't. There, there's no yeah. way you can fake it. They're just fantastic together. Exactly. I think that's the distinction between good and great acting and great chemistry. Because you can have great acting and not great chemistry. And that's where, you know, a great script comes in. But then you can have 
the the other level of great chemistry between the two actors where there's the baseline script but if they know how to work off each other it, it's there's unlimited possibilities for where you could go because they're thinking in this mindset and they know what the other one is going to do yeah yeah and honestly that's that's what's interesting because they didn't really have like with this script again you know kind of loosely improv improvised what wasn't too really too rigid but they also didn't want to just do like the classic drug cartel plot they, like they didn't want to go with that that seemed too easy so i yeah. guess for, for whatever reason marky mark just decided to keep going <laughs> with cartel stuff like i think it was referenced how many times would you say like i think four times, times at least like four or five <laughs> six like it just threw out it's a common thread throughout that's unreal just when they're yeah. getting ambushed by the bikers, he's like, it's Colombian drug cartel. Yeah. <laughs> and Will Ferrell's, how do you know that? <laughs> like, how, where are you getting your information from? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Yeah, Marky Mark's always assuming that everyone just is in a drug cartel. And it's funny because I think that was really what they stated with the script is like, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do the classic buddy cop movie that's fighting against some bad drug people. You know, so it's it's funny yeah. that Wahlberg really took to that and just kept going for it, just with random references. Which <laughs> is unreal. I mean, he's interrogating um, Urshaw, who's the, you know, the infamous banker in it. And he's just yeah. playing the good cop. He's like, where are, you, where are you getting your money from? Which cartel is funding you? It's just like, even that little bit had to be kind of conscious as throwing it in there. It's just like, all right, here, we're going to do the cartel thing a little bit again, like, just float that you think every single thing is through the cartel like every yeah. single it's unreal so like even something as simple as you know damon waynes was in it which is i think kind of not slept on in a way but he's kind of a minor character and he's you know him and rob riggle are a pair they're two like a great comedic duo in their own right um oh yeah but they were interviewed separately and for the film they were just like he basically said, look, there's people who get budgets for movies and kind of do it more rigid. They shoot movies. They do their own thing. They kind of run it by the script. And then there's Adam McKay who shoots movies, but it's just million dollar pictures where they're riffing. It's basically like you're going and riffing until you get the best possible cut for that scene. It's like, all right, that's, that's it. We're done. We got it. Yep. Yeah. That speaks to McKay is just knowing how to run a storyline and surrounding himself with a cast that really understands what he wants. Yeah. Like, and studios know that. Studios won't throw millions of dollars at regular people that are just like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to wing it. It'll be funny. These, trust me, these people yeah. are funny. McKay's like, no, nah, like, I got it. Yeah. The fact that Wayans is like so up on McKay, especially because Wayans in his own right is at Hilarious. the top of his game. So to, to give someone that credit just like yeah you know there are people that yeah. kind of run by the script and then there are people that do things in a fun way and make millions off it yeah that's my guy it's awesome to just have a movie where you know that you're gonna go in you have the, the script but you know that you're gonna get your best stuff from the chemistry that the actors have and the funny thing is is like okay will ferrell's wife in the movie is eva mendez she's mm -hmm. a great actress in her own right everything Turns out, like, at the time, she's a fucking huge fan of Talladega Nights and all that and Adam McKay. Yeah. And basically was just, like, vying for this spot to be in the movie. She's, like, she got the offer, and it's, like, hey, do you want to be an Adam McKay movie? She's, like, absolutely. Like, just tell me what I have to do. Goes in. And the one thing from her that I think is one of the best things, that they actually, in the end, turned into a real fucking song. Like, they brought in CeeLo Green and yeah. the producer to make it into a song, which wasn't improv, which I thought it would be, is the Pimps mm -hmm. Don't Cry scene where she's comforting Will Ferrell and has the song, like, Pimps Don't Cry. Don't shed a tear. supposed to have, like, uh, the Poison Ivy on his butthole or yeah. something. <laughs> Just, he's like, what did we sing? What did we sing? Like, that not being improv, but even an actress like that jumping at the opportunity to be in one of these movies and I feel like it's so outlandish and just, she was like, I'm all in for that. I love that. The fact that I get to do that at my job and like be in an Adam McKay movie like that is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And, then and that's what's funny. Yeah, that's what's funny is you, you think you could guess what was improv because you're like, oh, I mean, yeah. you, you should be able to see where people kind of trip up. Like maybe, uh -huh. maybe just see how things progress. That not being improv is interesting. 
and then the one thing that I would think that just like really witty, just funny writers would spend a while on is this just dialogue back and forth between Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. And it's when they're in the, uh, in their office or whatever, and they start talking about the tuna uh, and the lion. So, yeah. so uh, Mark Wahlberg said, like, if I were a lion, I would bang your tuna girlfriend or something. And Will Ferrell, for the first time in the movies, grows a pair of nads. He starts going back at Mark Wahlberg and is like, basically this whole thing, he just starts stringing along words and sentences. And he's like, yeah, then he ends up like, yeah, I would build an apparatus out of kelp. And we would take turns <laughs> like wa- taking watch. And we'd kill your entire lion and his pride. <laughs> sure, it won't last a day, but it'll last about an hour, hour 45. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, the hour that that 45. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know that he is just, and it's so funny because Mark Wahlberg can play along with it so well, even though that's not his strong suit. Like, Will Ferrell is one of the only people that can do, can get to our hour 45. Just that, yeah, that alone is so so funny. And he, something I learned from the improv class I took is basically you can't just go crazy right away because it's ridiculous and it's yeah. funny watching them because they really do they start earning it they they go step after another Will Ferrell lays everything out and all of his logic follows to him to him being a bunch of tuna going out of the water having kelp breathing apparatuses and killing his lion pride family <laughs> it's just <laughs> just a master class at improv that that's that's what i mean you would assume that someone would sit down write this out be like okay yeah. we're gonna go from here to here to here to here and exactly. Farrell's just on the fly just going all it's like all a two minute monologue it's it's like a yeah it, somebody would write that out and that would be a page and a half of script it might be yeah. and for it's somebody else to use. memorize that and just yeah exactly if you're using rel i mean that might be a little stretch but it's <laughs> so much for not only somebody to have to go in and memorize but the timing of that and for that to just to be improv like just somebody comes up with that on the spot and just be like yeah that that take was great it's like do you know what yeah. you just did did and maybe it did take a few like maybe yeah. maybe it just wasn't scripted maybe it took yeah. a few like maybe he went somewhere and then mckay was like that was good let's yeah. keep going on that but i honestly i would not, even so it wouldn't surprise me if it was just one take Cause yeah, he's just so good with it. His deadpan, just kind of going and diving into these topics, even on SNL, some of the characters he had would just go into these monologue style riffs. Mm-hmm. And that's, I feel like where he became a pro at this kind of stuff. And now it's almost effortless. I mean, when he makes appearances on anything, it's just like he can stay in that character. He did a roast as Ron Burgundy. And just he, I'm pretty sure he has a podcast as Roddenberry, yeah, by oh, the way. That I think he does. I love him. I, you know, I just don't really, I'm not, probably not going to listen to that podcast, but I mean, yeah, to, to be that character so well, that's, it's impressive. Yeah. Something that I don't know was improv, but I mean, it's also one of the great feral scenes in the movie is the desk pop, where he's like, hey guys, <laughs> I just did pop. my first desk pop. <laughs> Wayne and Riggle like uh egg him yeah. on to shoot his gun at the ceiling <laughs> just that's a funny real that's what's funny it leads him to having the wooden gun which you know whatever that's not that funny but then the rape whistle him having the rape whistle and blowing it when the guy jumps off the roof uh, by the way yeah um the one boss from the office that guy jumps yep. off the roof uh, david wallace david wallace, david from, wallace the from the office yep yeah jumps off the roof and then will ferrell just starts blowing the whistle that's that's hilarious <laughs> just as there's a million cops around in the area yeah already just starts blowing the whistle i feel like those little things you can't write that's where you bring somebody with a genius mind like will ferrell in to just do mm-hmm. those things Another, but even like, like with genius minds with uh in terms of directing you know we have yeah. all this production in the background too and you saw something super interesting about the uh the bar scene so they, like, yeah. they go through this crazy night, apparently, and then this one random scene sticks out. It's just super well done, super well produced. Uh, let us know about it. So that still scene in the bar, basically, it's not your standard, you know, slideshow kind of, you know, montage style shot. So what they did, it's 
basically a rolling camera. It's as if it's going through the bar. So the camera is moving through the bar, but in every instance, it almost, the camera shifts and they have it on one, you know, track. So you have the camera on a singular track that moves throughout the bar. And when they're recording, they have each of the actors for each of the still shots that they did. Rather than placing the actors there, taking the still, they did this live action kind of still thing where they actually hired extras who could pose for a super long time. And then they had everybody stay in one spot, rolled the camera through the bar, and then they would have them probably stand there 10, 15 seconds, get the still, edit everything, like all the beer, all the bullets, everything was all yeah. CGI afterwards. But they rolled the camera through the bar every time, had them set up at the different shot, stay there still for like 30 seconds and then bring it all together at the end, which was, I think, a genius way to go about that. Yeah, and it's, that's something that you need absolute expertise and just knowing yeah. that that could work. And I think it was uh, his uh, director of photography or whatever, um, DP, that's, that's what I know it as. Um, but I think the DP was like, no, yeah, we can do it this way. But they thought it was just going to cost so much money. And apparently he figured out a way just to make it at least doable. I don't know, maybe, yeah. you know, cheaper so it's or whatever. Like, it's like the shot that was in 1917 where they did the fluid one shot kind of thing. The continuous one shot. Exactly. Yeah. But one they did the continuous. So I know. But the fact that they did this. <laughs> And they just ran the camera through, I guarantee it was like 50 times. And they literally had to hire people who could pose. They had like stuntmen who could stay in these poses for extra long times. Because if you messed it up and you moved, the whole shot is done. And you need to reset, run the camera through again. It's, I just think that that whole shot is so much cooler than your standard montage. Because you could have had a montage just like showing everything through that night. But instead, yeah. it's just amazing even the look of the shot everything is so clear i mean travels with them through the night the crazy shit that happens i mean a gun goes off at one point it's yeah it's, yeah, yeah oh it's super unique and it's so funny seeing the the progression especially with will ferrell's character going crazy um <laughs> it, it's such an interesting way to show that without making a whole entire long scene out of it that honestly yeah. and that would take away from seeing like will's Fer will ferrell's character like finally breaking loose and like going exactly crazy. um going it it not so off of that but just in on a different note something that i honestly forgot about or maybe i just didn't really realize like obviously you're set somewhere in your plot you you have to be somewhere you have to develop it and have things going off on another yeah you could look at this movie as like a complete nod to new york uh, obviously the yeah. nypd all like the really obvious stuff but like even down to the king of New York, the the, the king of New York <laughs> with Jeter. Apparently, Jeter gets so the the whole thing why uh, Mark Wahlberg wasn't uh, a homicide investigator. I guess he said he was being groomed to be the top one uh, <laughs> when he's working at a Yankees game. Someone's <laughs> walking towards him, and he's like, "Hey, you better stop!" Shoots Derek Jeter in the leg because he had headphones on. And best <laughs> line, yeah. Derek Jeter, uh, what does he say? You Magical seven words. Derek Jeter. <laughs> Just in the most, I mean, Derek Jeter, he's incredible. He's the king of New York. He, everywhere he goes in New York, he's treated like a god. I'm not going to say he's not an actor, but I wouldn't say that that's his, you know, if you, that's not going to be in your reel if you're sending that anywhere. That was just no, a nod no. to just the New York He's like, you idiot. You shot me. I'm Derek Jeter. I'm Derek Jeter. <laughs> They're like, that's it, great, Derek. That's great. That's all yeah, we need. Just, just go ahead. You know, you just, he won the World Series, was it like a week before? 10 days and then before. Just 10 days before. He probably was hung over. Probably just felt like partying. And then I guarantee after that, he went, just partied again. Because, dude, I mean, the, to get Derek Jeter in 10 days yeah. after the World Series and then just, just because I feel like the only reason they wrote that in is because like you have four really solid lines in the entire movie that revolve around it. So he's oh, yeah. in like the support group and the guy's like, cause you shot Jeter. <laughs> <laughs> but there are just so many others. Like you cost us the championship. <laughs> yeah. 
you write Derek Jeter into that and have yeah. to bring him in just because you earn yourself four really good lines that you can throw into like any scene there. That's Dude, just you know it's a masterclass in building a script just from that. It's crazy about the Jeter thing too, because Jeter wasn't in the original script either, like Samuel L. Jackson. What it was mean? supposed to be like Paris Hilton making a cameo in it at first. The original oh. script had like Paris Hilton and there was no Derek Jeter in it. And he shot Paris Hilton? Yeah, I don't know what the – it's a lot. <laughs> and, and then somebody said they could get D- Jeter, which is incredible. And they rewrote yeah. the whole script just for Jeter to come in and get shot. And it makes That's, it yeah. so much better. So many things I feel like came together – that just made this movie what it is. That's perfect. I feel like so many things have to fall for these kind of movies. Because, yeah. like, I mean, it's tough with comedies. Like, there are good comedies, and that's a small amount. And then you mm-hmm. kind of have, like, the, you know, the rest of the comedies. And yeah. I feel like you need a lot of things going for you, which is why I'm assuming we'll have a lot of stories like this throughout the, yeah. the rest of the podcast. But, um, yeah, like, with all this New York stuff, I mean, when Samuel L. and The Rock's car goes and explodes it's right in the trump tower it's right in columbus circle i realized that um david i think is the first name coogan um the urshaw yeah his character steve coogan sorry steve coogan um his office when they're doing that whole thing and like one they they get nick's courtside tickets and then they go see jersey boys on broadway which is a great scene we'll talk about that later i'm sure um they it's right over Columbus circle, like all this stuff. And again, I know that it's set in a plot somewhere, but there just seem like there are so many nods like everywhere just to New York city. It's really from the perspective of somebody who actually cares about representing the city of New York, the way New York is. It's not about being like, Oh, we were in midtown, blah, blah, blah. Cause you could do the whole cop out, like just have one street, represent all of manhattan and film it that way because i mean mm-hmm. some movies i feel like have a kind of set where they're showing one street they may not even film in new york and maybe be on a set blah 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 this movie had so many different things and even working in the city for a year like watching it again you see so many different little nods to the different areas in new york and the different little things it's like oh shit oh shit they actually did their due diligence here and know what the yeah. fuck they're talking about well, that's what's funny is like I've I've been to the city a few times, but like not as much as you. Obviously, you're the New York guy, but even I noticed. I was like they, I noticed the. I mean, I guess it's Washington because I'm pretty sure it's the Washington Circle or whatever. Like I noticed yeah. that in the background of the shot, and I was just like, they, yeah, they do those things really well. That yep. I mean, obviously, New York City itself is a huge market. That maybe you're just like you get some people, you get some Italian goombas. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Come on. <laughs> that's, that's New York. Come on. Generalizing um, here. <laughs> just going, going through with insights. Um, something, and this is all kind of things that I didn't catch at first. So the New York stuff I didn't really catch. But being totally yeah. honest, the very first time I watched this movie, and granted I was younger, I didn't realize like it was directly hitting you in the face. Like, <laughs> hey, this is a commentary on corporate fraud, like on corporate governance, all that kind of stuff. Um, then uh, obviously with the the graphics in the end, they they show yeah. all the the Enron stuff, the AIG stuff. But literally, Will Ferrell even at some point uh, when the <laughs> Ben Schwartz is in it, I guess he's like, uh, "Yeah, I heard you guys are the best at this, or solving things like this, except for Enron, AIG, Bear Stearns, and just like a bunch of others." <laughs> calling out the SEC so blatantly. Yeah, <laughs> it's like he's it's like, an "Oh, you play tennis with movie. them." Yeah. <laughs> just calling out that the SEC is playing tennis on the weekends with these bankers who are just avoiding taxes and all that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's so good and it's it's something I realized is that before I kind of took this just like a, you know, face value whatever, buddy cop movie but not yeah. really. Um directly goes at corporate fraud and then also something that I thought was super interesting was when he introduces the thought that will ferrell's character used to be a pimp like the way he used to do it or the the way that he did it was by directly facing hey cops and like honestly it's kind of poignant today like 
the mental health that cops have, like the stress that they go through, the, like the, if you get a bad case, it just wears on you, wears on you, wears on you. And unfortunately it goes off on your partner sometime, like your wife, your husband, whatever. Um, he does that by <laughs> Will Ferrell going back into his old pimp self. It's just, yep. it's so funny being like, hey, this is a real issue, but here's an awesome joke about it. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, let's talk about Will Ferrell being, used to be a pimp in college. And now he's this like, <laughs> just pencil pusher dude yeah and the slow transition into that of his character kind of realizing and coming to grips with what he used to be where he was like hesitant to admit it at first and he was like no i just set up dates for my friend and then you just see the slow transition into like the end where he's got the grills and the knife up to his up to his face (laughs) the knife up to his face is so funny for some like i just love seeing will ferrell with grills just like (laughs) <laughs> has the knife yeah. up to his face that shit was hilarious <laughs> just the one or two second shot of him <laughs> he had to get in full makeup with the grills in and everything <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> just to have Not, that in there they they use like they use it in such a good way too because like i said the the real issue being directly thrown out there but also being diverted yeah. because of gator also with Gator, the the only time that they actually have their cathartic experience that's like completely necessary in a movie, like you you need that one cathartic experience between the two, is yep. when he, they introduce him. This is when they introduce Gator. Will Ferrell explains to Mark Wahlberg when they're supposed to have their moment, and that's how they have their moment. It's just so good in terms of yeah. like still being super funny and avoiding any corny moments. But also introducing this ridiculous premise. (laughs) And like even on that too, just exposing kind of the masculinity versus, you know, being in touch with other sides of yourself. The whole joke throughout that Wahlberg would like as a kid, he learned ballet to make fun of the fairy down the street. And like the fairy at the down end, the street. Even yeah. at the end where he's like, and uh he played harp at their wedding. Um which he learned to make fun of the fairy down the street. It's just like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that whole coming to terms with you know why you're doing something and exposing like he's this hard ass, and then he's just doing ballet. He's like, I love you, Janine. Come on, and then just breaks <laughs> these dance moves. That was just. I feel like that was a touch on something a lot deeper, but also just you know a throw in there like, oh, we learned it to make fun of the fairy down the street. Like yeah. that line, which is, is also like, directly being like, yeah, no, we're making fun of this. <laughs> you exactly. shouldn't actually just like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, what are you, what are you talking about? I mean, those yeah. little throwaways were unbelievable. And yeah, last insight here, um, something I thought was great, and I always love when there's good music in movies. And the yeah. one that I thought, or actually, there are two moments that I thought were really good, and one it's just kind of an integration of a song like so the song icky thump by the white stripes i have always loved and then i I think that's one of those things if you know the song you're like hey i know this song this is cool (laughs) but um it works really well in the shooting scene in the end yeah like it's like a high energy song it's fun yeah but something that i realized is they used and this is something i missed the first time and when i was watching it with my fiance before I think the first time we watched it, she literally, she was so thrown off by the fact when, uh, here's a spoiler, everyone, skip 15 seconds or so if you don't want to hear this. When The Rock and Samuel jump off, when they do the aim for the bushes thing and then they die, yeah. she had no clue. Like, no clue that was about to happen. And I was like, how do you not realize that? And I remembered I didn't at first either. And yeah. Like, obviously, it's because they're supposed to be these, like, super heroic guys, you know, you know, they can't die, they're just gonna jump, whatever. But also, they they do Hero by uh, the Foo Fighters, and it's just, like, they bring it in super inspirationally, and you're just like, oh, of course, like, I don't know how they're gonna do what they're gonna do, but they're gonna live. But yeah, it just keeps going. And it, it like they basically put them in slow mo going down, and then you just hear Foo Fighters in the background, and it's just done there so well. Like, I think that's my... such a great. <laughs> See like, them it's flailing so in the like... air <laughs> yeah, to their yeah. hero. You're like, yeah. I don't know what's about to happen, but there's no way this is going where we think it is. No. And it goes exactly right there. Well, but that's the funny thing is at, at first, you you would think they're just going to 
through something and then at, yeah. at some point because they do the slow motion and because yeah you know, like it's i don't know it's it's just so funny at some point you're just like wait they're gonna die like they give yeah. you time to gestate it like wait yeah. hang on the, oh okay yeah they died they died <laughs> i think the slow-mo gives you a second to be like there's some way that they're gonna get out of this like yeah. whatever it is the slow-mo helps in like yeah, there's going to be like a truck that drives by with something under it that they jump into something. And, and you then, slowly start realizing yeah, that's not the case. Like, oh, nope, that's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're just face planting into the concrete. Yeah. Hey, so let's, oh, let's move flying. on to... Uh, let's, <laughs> oh, he's flying. Yeah. Let's move on to uh, favorite scenes. Uh, I'll let you start. What was your favorite scene there, Wendy? Okay, so my favorite scene probably one of them is a string of scenes that had to do with, you know, when they're first trying to get information out of the, the banker, Urshaw. They're going into his office. Oh, okay. I was like, wow, a string of scenes where we're cheating here. No, right. no. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> it's when they're going into his office and the first encounter is like them getting water from his assistant and there's cucumber in the water. And they're talking and Will Ferrell's just in the back, just sipping the water. He goes, I just have to say, the cucumber in this water is incredible. Like it brings out something in the yeah. and just the whole thing. And then they just get the bribes. They get the bribes to the Nick game halfway through. They're just like, oh, we, we didn't even realize. They walk in again. It's just like, yeah. gentlemen, wicked or Jersey boys. And then they got a Jersey boys. <laughs> just the you whole mentioned scene. the cucumber. This is something that I didn't realize, but, and, and this could be a throwaway comment, honestly, but for some reason he specifies not to give them kiwi at first did you realize that what he no he, he says to his assistant he's like get them ice the the glacier water with cucumbers yeah. no kiwi like he's like he's trying to like hardball them <laughs> just and yeah then just, he goes yeah he goes courtside mark Wahlberg's like i saw courtside went okay. blind. <laughs> another throwaway in that scene too is when they first walk in right before they walk in he's there's audio coming from the banker's computer and it's oh. porn and it's pirate porn where it's like, all right, I'm going to get your booty. And she's like, Oh no. <laughs> Isn't it like, dude, I thought it was like pirate kitty porn. It sounded like something really, you know, dark. out there. It and dark. it was fine. Yeah. And he's like, Oh gentlemen, I didn't know you were coming. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That it keeps playing and he has to like, he opens his computer a little and like yep. X's it out. <laughs> that was good. It's, that was good. So I love those, just the whole string with the water. And he's like, he's like, get them some water. And Mark Wahlberg's like, no, we don't need water. Will Ferrell's like, actually, I was quite excited to get the water. Can we? It's, the whole string with the water and everything like that did it for me. It just hit the right note. Oh, the water. Yeah, it's so, it's so funny. So funny. My favorite scene, hey, it's about liquid. It's about something you can drink. But yeah. I love, my favorite scene of the whole movie is when Will Ferrell has to go to Christina place and uh get the try to get the phone message or whatever and then yeah. you see the husband it's it's brett gelman and isn't he's hal in the movie and you just hear him at first you don't see him all you hear is boo, boo, boo. arnold palmer alert <laughs> arnold palmer alert who wants some marty palmies <laughs> like you see this ridiculous character he's wearing like plaid green pants white sweater just like obviously so weird, so whipped, and then uh, you get like an insight into this Christina woman, and he goes, "I am going. This one has the vodka in it, honey. <laughs> this, honey, this one's got the vodka." <laughs> like, yeah, and then it just goes uh, through super weird. But yeah, he's just laying there oh. alone with Mark Wahlberg, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, you, you might think I'm hairy from the beard, completely hairless." <laughs> shaved her shaved <laughs> shaved yeah. and then oh they drive away just chasing him you will have sex with my wife yeah that's like that's the cherry on top of the character yeah. that that he might be my favorite character in the whole movie just from his yeah. very limited role in that scene he yeah him him and his whole weird thing about him wanting or him wanting to have him wanting his wife to have sex with will ferrell again and yeah his like weird interaction with Mark Wahlberg and then he just comes sprinting in out of nowhere. It <laughs> <laughs> like, was like 20 mom. miles. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was that your favorite, like kind of short 
cameo in the movie a little bit? Was that your number one? Would you? I'm say? not gonna like, lie. Yeah, well, yeah, that was my favorite cameo by far. I really think that was my favorite scene. Like that was just so yeah. far out. That it fits into the movie, also not. It's like kind of a complete aside. And that whole character, I think Brett Gelman just holds that glue together in that part oh, of the yeah. movie, just so well. That, yeah, I think that's my favorite scene. So great. I think that that is top five for me, definitely. I think cameo wise too. I gotta throw in just a quick three second game from the offices in there. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the banker's walking down the hall. He's on the phone. <laughs> he pops up. He goes, "Hey, Douglas, how you doing? How's the wife?" He goes, "She died." At a boy. At a boy. There are so many great cameos. There are so many kind of. And it's funny because, like, you have McKay directing it, so he yeah. he knows the sketch game. It's a lot of sketch people, a lot of super funny people that maybe wouldn't get, like, a leading role in a feature film. Just like Ben Schwartz alone Walker. being in it. Yeah. I mean, I think Ben Schwartz was still pretty early in his career. I think he's yeah. progressed a ton. But there were random ones that, unfortunately, I can't remember their names right now. Like, But I was watching it. I was like, yep, know that person, know that person. Yep. Like, everyone oh, was a known like cast member basically yeah the um, guy who is listing everything they found the cop who's listing everything they found on i forget i always forget his name the actor who's listing everything they found in the prius and says there was a note from dirty mike and the boys i always forget his name oh right um I, yeah i can't really think of it right now but but he's even great in it too he's one of those guys that you see in the movies and you're like oh fuck this guy's in it <laughs> yep. and you can never think of their name right off the bat and you're like oh yeah that's it i'll remember next time and then next time oh. you're like oh fuck this guy's in it yeah was it was it rod or rob hubel yes the, um, yes yeah yeah from i love you yeah yeah that's right that's what you're thinking of he yep. is he's in everything oh he's yeah. um speaking of the office he is uh holly's wife oh holly's or, sorry yeah. holly's husband holly's, holly's husband holly's Obviously. yeah yeah yeah, that's hilarious. I yeah, because I he's in everything you see him pop up everywhere. Him just being like, I got a Prius too, quite a machine. It's like quite a machine. <laughs> so good. Yeah, that, yeah, that was great. But you mentioned uh, the one line that that was a fantastic one. The um, oh, add a boy. Yeah. So you mentioned that line. Why don't we move on to favorite lines? We'll we'll wrap up here. We're we're only picking three each because again, we don't want to tear it into so this. many. Hey, remember that awesome line. Um, when you all start, then you can go with yours, and then we'll go yeah. back and forth here. Um, no particular order, just three that I remembered. Um, or not remembered, but I marked down. So the, who ultimately ends up being a bad guy in the end. Sorry, spoiler. Uh, Bob. <laughs> the movie is like, yeah. supposed to, looks like the super nice guy walks up to that when uh, Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg are talking. And he's like, hey, you guys want to come to my uh, wife's barbecue? You know, it's it's going to be pretty good. But, oh, is it going to go to the waistline? And Mark Wahlberg just hits him with a really quick, it's a bad time, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg are, like, bickering during it. But it's a bad time, Bob, is just delivered so well. It's so Mark Wahlberg, it's unreal. Yeah. But it's, it's a bad time, fantastic. Bob. It's a bad time, Bob. <laughs> just throw it in there perfectly. He's like, yeah. all right. Just, and you feel so bad for this guy, too, after. He's, oh, like, yeah, poor Bob. He's like, I'm sorry, Bob. I, I didn't mean it. Yeah. So, Bob, I mean, you feel bad for him for a while, but, you know, poor Bob. Sure mine, mine goes to another Wahlberg line, which I, met, I touched on before. But it, it was Will Ferrell, after he confesses his love to his, like, ballet fiance, Will Ferrell's just like, where'd you learn ballet? And Mark Wahlberg's like, I learned it as a kid. Make fun of the fairy down the street. And Will Ferrell's just like, oh, yeah, you learned you ballet sarcastically? <laughs> <laughs> you learned ballet sarcastically. Is That's like the, the uh, I already used cherry on top, but that really is, it's nice to set it in. Like Mark Wahlberg says that, and then Will Ferrell just like directly addresses it. Like, you learned ballet sarcastically? <laughs> Especially because yeah, like, he's like so good at ballet. Like <laughs> He's something really else good. That, I mean, yeah, just no, those something twirls. else that cracked me up though was that with the twirls is that it was so obviously a stunt yeah. double. Like they show his face, and it's funny because it's so obvious it wasn't supposed to be. Like I feel like that's part yeah. of the joke. 
You're like, this oh, is absolutely. clearly a stunt double. Like, there's yeah. a quick nod there to humor. Just goes right to his feet and then back up, and you just see his face spin and then right back to the feet. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not even supposed to be masked. Um, no. Yeah, no. Not my, I think my second one would probably be, it's when the they have the DA in there, and they're, you know, they're in hot water and everything, and then they're going through telling him to stay off the case. And then as the DA is leaving, he goes, by the way, Gene, how's the family? And then the captain goes, oh, good, good. My son's bisexual. <laughs> just like, just Perfect. Nothing okay, else. first of all, Michael Keaton is unbelievable as in this role. Yeah, Michael Keaton's so good in this role. <laughs> just him as the captain who's just like, I'm working two jobs to put my uh, son through NYU who's having a bisexual experience. Like, what? My son through NYU to be a DJ and he's having a yeah. bisexual experience <laughs> Yep, just tosses so that in there my next one is actually michael keaton too because there's so many gems from him and it's oh, yeah. because when he's working his character's working a second job at bed bath and beyond which is just it doesn't get better than that i mean just to be a, the chief of a police department like station and then to be working <laughs> as a manager of bed bath and beyond it was first things first the new bath mats are here <laughs> he's reading so excited about the bath his mats. list his list of like to do's in front of the bed bath and beyond staff prepping them for the the day shift on saturday it's like first uh, things the new bath mats are here second there's a serial rapist in crown heights <laughs> he goes oh sorry that's for my other job ignore that no, wait, don't. Especially if you live in Crown Heights, walk in pairs. Walk in pairs is my favorite part of that whole thing. It's like, sorry, that's for my other job. Ignore that. Wait, no, no. Don't ignore that if you live in Crown well, Heights. Not if you live in Crown Heights. Walk in pairs. Just goes <laughs> off the screen quick. Walk in pairs. Hey, guys. Yeah. You here for the bath mats? <laughs> the bath mats thing is so funny. His whole thing with the TLC lyrics is just oh hilarious. He, he's like unknowingly quoting TLC lyrics. He's like, and yeah. then at some point, Will Ferrell's like, this can't be a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know what you're doing. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I, we, I think it took us until now to directly call out Michael Keaton. But I you're know. right. Such, such I, a good role. So many good lines. Took too um, long to call him out because he, he low-key steals the show. Yeah. Yeah. He is an incredible character that the movie would not be the same without him. No doubt yeah. about that. Key Which character. goes for a lot, a lot, a lot of people in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I would say, I would say definitely the uh, the Urshaw that we mentioned before, um, Steve Coogan. Yeah, definitely, he's definitely a very good role in it. Um, yeah, I mean, we mentioned we mentioned pretty much everyone else. Somehow yeah. we just didn't get to Michael Keaton, like Damon Wayans, Rob Riggle, you know, all the all the smaller roles, and then also just. Everyone that takes their limited role that we said, that like the, all the yeah. sketch people that it, it, just their lines just in there. do them so well. Um, so my third and last line, it actually comes from the song. So it's when Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg are grabbing beers in that uh, <laughs> in that bar, and then Mark or Will Ferrell randomly gets up and starts doing the Irish like folk songs, the really yeah. dark ones. <laughs> For some reason, it got me so much. So he's like. And all the bodies were hanged, and all the children got pink eyes. <laughs> and all their bodies were hanged, and all the children got pink eye. Is I mean, just I I don't know why that's so funny to me. Yeah, it's, it's it so is so funny because it's just so like direct. It's so like yes. <laughs> the old guy coming over, just slightly tapping him on his shoulder when he's supposed to pop into the song. <laughs> yeah. Man. It's so and then, yeah, good. Mark Wahlberg's like, do you actually like doing that? These songs are pretty dark. It's like, actually, it's my favorite part of coming here. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? My last one, because that is an unreal one, that just, he's singing songs in the bar so casually. Like, Will Ferrell's yeah. character seems to know everyone, gets the hottest girls, is, it just, you know, everything falls into place. But... My last line is just a kind of throwaway. I mean, it's in and out from Rob Riggle. And it's just him talking to Damon Wayans and just goes, yeah, woke up, took the belt off from around my neck and had to get out of there. 
bar mitzvahs, you know? <laughs> it's just, it, like, yeah, it pans to them in their, like, mid-conversation. I think it starts out, I think he's like, um, like, how was your weekend? Oh, crazy weekend. Okay. <laughs> like, that that one's so good. That's, that's a quick one. The bar mitzvahs, you know, is... I, yeah. Like, every one that we pointed out, just, there are so many, it's a funny line, and then they just add to it at the end. Like, here you I go. can't imagine that that part was written in. I can't imagine, like, if that was written in, it would just be the perfect line to just have in there. Just to... And someone as experienced and good as Damon Wayans Jr. would be the only one that, if Riggle threw that in there, like, how would you not be able to laugh if that wasn't written in? Yeah. Because I think you're right. I bet, like, he just threw it in there, and Wayans just goes, Yeah. so good so casual just be like yeah yeah i know (laughs) yeah yeah but i mean lots of good uh some of them probably written a lot of great improvisation uh ran through the lines our favorite scenes some insights into the back script yeah i that would be just see the script yeah see what was in there maybe we'll see what we can do but yeah (laughs) (laughs) um we uh we still have to decide what movie we want to do next week uh we'll we'll probably decide sometime midweek we'll post about it we'll let you guys know make sure that you're in the know um until then i'm kevin and i'm winnie we'll see you at the next episode